Get it out. Welcome to a special edition of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. This is our first version of Quick on the Counter, where we quickly run through items on the table in the world of LAFC. My name is Jonathan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Christian. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, We're quickly going to recap the transfer window from yesterday, discuss the club's additions and subtractions, how that's going to affect our tactics and formations going forward, and give you a quick preview of the game this weekend. I uh, can't wait. Um, there's been so much news this week, and uh, with the transfer window for the MLS finally closing, um, I know there's some European windows that are still open apart from the Premier League, which closed today, August 8th. Uh, happy to you know discuss what new players we have and which players are no longer going to be here. So first, why don't we start with our subtractions? So Christian Ramirez on his way to the Houston Dynamo. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think if we're bringing an attacking player that's going to directly compete with him, a bigger investment, uh, hopefully more productive than what Christian Ramirez has been, although he's been good in link-up play, it makes sense. And he also has a rather high salary. I think it's in the 600s, if I 660, recall. 660, I believe. Yeah. So uh, why not clear some cap space, one, in terms of salaries, two, um, you know, bring the new 19-year-old um, Brian Rodriguez and see what he can do. Um, I know we're getting some general allocation money back. Uh, I don't know how we'll use it. Uh, we're getting 100000 this year and 75000 in 2020. So that's kind of what the trade was from a front office and a salary cap perspective. I think with Fido Zelaya coming to fitness, Dio reaching a point where he can play a full 90 or at least has shown us that he can play a full 90 for the past few matches – he was surplus to inventory, and at $660,000 a year, it's hard to have that coming off the bench. It just doesn't make sense fiscally, and it really didn't make sense tactically. And I hate to say that he was ushered out of town over three, let's be honest, egregious misses, but I really think it was just that he didn't fit our style, and players like Dio and Zelaya are immediately going to fill that role. And then obviously the addition of Brian Rodriguez, uh, you know, is going to fill that role in the long term. No, I, I agree. Um, I think he did his job in this in this way, the way I, I see it is. He filled the gap, played defensively in his position well, and set up some goals and, and opened up space for our team. He didn't score, which is his primary job. But um, what I think that may be overlooked uh, uh, is that he filled the gap also while Dio was getting fit. Over the last three, four weeks, Dio is now match fit. He can play 90. And now he has a youngster coming in to push him uh, for that part, that starting spot as he gets acclimated to the MLS. And Fito hasn't been able to do that, so hopefully Brian can. Well, I think the other thing with Ramirez is his greatest asset that I've seen in his play is his ability to put the ball in from a header but in our time with us he didn't really show an ability to do that from set pieces and corners and he wasn't really getting a lot of service in the air in open play it seemed like the majority of Bob's coaching is for the ball to come in on the ground and he just didn't show the kind of ability that we need with balls coming in you know quick on the grass like that so I you know like I wish the best for him he represented uh club and country well um I know some of the other pods like to hate on him, but, um, you know, look, I think, you know, those few misses aside, his great role for us was creating a lot of space for other players, drawing defenders away, and he did that well. But when strikers miss goals, it's it's hard to 
have their back. Right. No, he had his starting opportunities, and the fact that he didn't take them uh, in terms of scoring is not a good thing. And also, as we get closer to the playoffs and teams are f- figuring out a way to play us physically and you know, and, and pressing us in a certain way, and if he is not a playmaker that can create his own kind of offense and goals, then they know not to mark him as as closely and focus on the wingers, which is Rossi and Vela, and then we have a less dynamic team. So Dio at least is more physical, can t- turn on the ball, uh, can create his own shot if he needs to, and can facilitate and can finish. So now that he's fit, I, it doesn't make sense to still have him at such an expense. He was a professional. We thank him for his service. Yeah. I hope he does well in Houston, uh, especially when he plays Carson. Um, but, uh, you know, against us, uh, well, you know, let's hope he doesn't do yeah. so well. So with Ramirez out, we have the first of two acquisitions coming in. So we'll talk about uh, the most widely discussed, and then we'll dive into our late edition. So we'll start with Brian Rodriguez, who joins us from Club Atletico Peñarol. He comes on a four-year deal, four-and-a-half-year deal, excuse me, for what was originally reported at over $11 million, it's now being discussed at somewhere in the $8 million range. Still a record for LAFC and amongst the highest transfer values ever in uh, MLS history. So this is a big signing. Uh, obviously, you know, he's featured uh, with the U20 team uh, for his home country there uh, with La Celeste. So, um, you know, this is a, this is a pretty exciting person, a person who's shown that he can score goals uh, for club and country. Uh, in five matches, he had three assists in the Copa Libertadores. And then um, in nine games, he had a goal and four assists for his club. So for a 19-year-old, that seems pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I think I think not only did he turn heads with La Celeste at the World Cup uh, under-20s this summer, um, I think... From seeing some tape and some of the breakdown from from the club and doing my own research, he can play both flanks. He could play a false nine. Uh, he could probably play make and create his own shot in the mid. Um, so I I I'm impressed by his skill, his um his composure at such a young age at 19, um, being able to take that pressure at Peñarol um, and uh, starting that campaign well for them. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, probably for the Uruguayan fans, our transfer window is now. And this is when we wanted to make this move. So uh, I give a lot of credit to some of the infrastructure that LAFC has put in to their scouting down in South America. And, you know, some of the some of the scouts that are down there are Juan Pablo Angel, who is a former MLS player himself, uh, also played in Europe and in South America. Um, and then also they have Victor De Los Santos, uh, also a Uruguayan. So he's stationed in Uruguay, Juan Pablo Angel, mainly in Colombia. But, you know, they're out, out there scouting these players. We have two Colombians, and now we're going to have two Uruguayans. And we'll talk about the other South American coming through. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that not only are they out there and watching the footballers, but they're making personal, familial connections into not only getting to know the football side, but also understanding um, them from a family perspective, what kind of characteristics and what kind of character they have off the field, which is important. Speaking of family connections, in this case, um, you know, we have rumor that some of the scouting might have been done by Diego Rossi's mother, um, which is which is a, a bizarre thing to say. But um, so Diego Rossi's mother is a sports psychologist, and one of her patients was 
Brian Rodriguez. So there was a family familial connection there as well, too, um, which is which is pretty cool that, you know, we are able to sort of think outside the box in that regard. And I find it super interesting, right, that at uh, age 19, that um, they have these kind of resources at the club already down South America and implementing them with such youngsters because of the pressure of such a big club in Uruguay. Um, and then the fact that he's open to having this as part of his performance, recovery, uh, mental relaxation type of thing. Uh, not sure how LAFC does these kinds of things, but if he has advice on Rossi and hopefully they're bringing some of that knowledge and implementing it with the rest of the team um, so that their, our performance is not only continues to be as good on the field but you know off the field when they're recovering and also mentally when they think they've had a a tough match or things didn't go their way they don't get down um so i'm happy about that and i'm I'm happy about this connection you know the the fact that he's going to come in and feel comfortable already because rossi there's a family connection um they've treated rossi well of course and then there's rumors that uh, fiorentina from uh, city i is interested in rossi so he sees, I, I think, yeah, Brian does, that this is this could be um, a stop in his career to Europe or he can come and dominate here and, you know, become more than already than he has loved without playing for, for the club. I mean, if he rides out his entire contract with us and goes on a free, which is highly unlikely, he's 24 years old. If he goes two or three years into his contract, he's in the 22 to 23-year-old range perfect timing for him to jump over to a bigger club across the pond so it seems to line up well for him um, I'm really excited to see a front three that can all play all three front positions right I think we're gonna see um, y- you know almost uh, uh, the the batter the blender as they they kind of switch back and forth and that's going to keep a lot of teams on their toes when you know we've already seen this with Rossi and Vela where they can sort of interchange roles and and, and you know switch which side they play on and if all three players are doing that, man, this is going to be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, especially for defenders, it's going to be tough to figure out. It's going to be a new dynamic, right? If they're able to all three exchange throughout the game positions, how do you really game plan? Um, there's well, some... you can't man mark at that exactly. point, I would think. So yeah. it's going to be pretty interesting to watch how that plays out. I'm also curious to see how the partnership between LAFC and Peñarol plays out as well, too, as both clubs have announced that they are joining in uh, a commitment of some kind to whether it's exchange players, share players, uh, loan players out, how how that's going to work out going forward. It's going to be interesting to see. I think um, that division is a strong division. They're producing a lot of good talent. So sending some of our young players down there, um, you know, to cut their chops seems like a, a pretty cool thing. And, and we're going to get to see them next year for a friendly up here. And story is that in the works is potentially a friendly down in Uruguay, which a 32-52 away day in Uruguay sounds fun. We could, uh, you know, drink some Tanat and have a good time down there. So I'm excited. Why not? You know, when it's when it's hot here, it's cold over there. So when it's winter here, maybe it's it's a summer game for a 32-52 to go down there. Yeah, as Thorrington was saying, he was uh, down there uh, in the middle of our summer, middle of their winter, and it was quite cold. So hopefully we get, uh, you know, a nice midwinter here trip to a chance to go down there, uh, get get away from the cold here, and enjoy some summertime down there. Um, so very active final day. I, although we were kind of aware um, some of the rumors of Brian Rodriguez coming, but uh, we were still taken by surprise the day after it closed, which, you know, it's it's interesting to me because uh, Jonathan and I were on a card ride together and we were listening to ESPN 710, and uh, John Thorrington was talking about how 
a lot of these conversations are supposed to be confidential, but usually there's rumors that come out that uh, a lot of them end up being true, but this one rumor never came out. And then this morning when I noticed that there was breaking news of Diego Diego Palacios coming from um, Sociedad Deportiva Aucas in Quito. Glad you said that. (laughs) Uh, Was a total surprise for me, a four-year deal. Uh, beat out some of the other European clubs. I know, Jonathan, you have a list over there who who was interested in him. Yeah, let's let's just for a second let this wash over us that LAFC in our second year of Major League Soccer outbid clubs like Ajax, which play in the same division uh, of the Dutch league there, um, uh, uh, where uh, he comes from, from Willem Schwey there. Uh, we also beat out teams like Barcelona, Lyon, Paris Saint-Germain, uh, PSG, to the rest of us. Um, yeah, you heard that right. LAFC outbid Barca, Ajax, Lyon, PSG for a 20-year-old starlet. Like, my head is exploding right now. And they, he was bought down with, I think, Gam and Tam. So it's looking to me that some of that trade for Christian Ramirez, not only was it to make space for Brian Rodriguez, but I think financially, from a salary cap perspective, there must have been some of that allocation money that was put in to buy down so that he wouldn't have to be a DP because he's a 20-year-old from Ecuador, also in the under-20s World Cup, impressed there. Barcelona B is who wanted him, but he wanted to play first team somewhere. We paid the most, gave him the longest deal. It makes sense for everybody. Come here, showcase, and possibly move on if, if in a couple of years you're doing well. Right. So he's on a four-year deal and is a half year older than Brian Rodriguez. So both of them are signed for roughly the same amount of time until they're 24, year, 24 years old. So obviously the plan here is to sell these players on. Um, in the ESPN Plus documentary on LAFC, Thorrington basically said that this was the plan. We're going to outbid teams for the young starlet. We're going to let them improve and then sell them for an even higher rate. Um, in this case, we know that Brian Rodriguez, 50% of his sell-on rights are still owned by Peñarol. I don't believe that is the case for Palacios, or at least we haven't seen yeah. anything come out yet stating uh, that any of his sell-on rights um, are still held by, by, by Willem II. So um, we'll see if that comes out later. I would imagine at most it would be 50% if that. So, you know, obviously they're seeing Brian Rodriguez as a person. If 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 it's somewhere between 8 and $11 million, then we're assuming we can sell him for north of $16 million going on. Right. And I think probably part of talking them down from the original $11.5 million to $8 million is that they're going to get 50% of that sell-on value. So if we then sell him for $16 mil, they'd get an additional $8 mil for him, and that would be just for us to make our money back. So we're assuming that he's going to be worth closer to 20 mil when we sell him on something more along the lines of what Diego Rossi is uh, allegedly valued at 17 million dollars um, by Fiorentina. Right. So and Almiron went to Newcastle, you know. So there there is precedent for some of these South American players coming here, having a good season or two, and moving on if they've impressed enough and fit into one of the European uh, big houses systems. So the Diego Palacios. Completely blew me away as well too. Um, wasn't I didn't even hear anything about it until you know probably eight or nine o'clock this morning. This morning. Um, you know I had already been up for a couple hours before I heard anything come through. And we were having this conversation on the same car ride. Like the only thing I'm not necessarily happy with is because we have an injured El Munir and don't have a backup for Harvey. 
And I thought that's the only place we were lacking. And we had the conversation, well, I mean, Blessing can play anywhere. Or Silva has played there before, although he's not as fast and can't contribute offensively. But now we have a young 20-year-old from Ecuador with um, being in a high-pressure situation, playing in the Dutch League, uh, playing in the Under-20 World Cup. So he has some experience um, and some speed and some desire. Um, and he's coming to a big city where there's other South Americans that he can bond with and, you know, uh, I'm just excited for him to have this opportunity. And when El Munir comes back, now he has competition beyond Harvey. So I think it's going to be a good dynamic situation moving forward to have the best left back on the field for LAFC. Yeah, and, and you know, Harvey's a great guy. He's He's been nothing but a gentleman. Uh, when I had the pleasure of meeting him, he was one of the nicest guys. But he's not at his peak. He, I think anyone would admit that, you know, at 34 years old, he's past his peak. And he's not the future uh, of our outside back. That's just simply the case. And, you know, El Munir, as, as good as he showed us in, in brief stints, you know, is probably not the player that uh, El Chiqui is going to be, uh, mm-hmm. as he's known in his former club. So um, I'm really excited about this. The optics around it seem very positive. All the stories about him personally seem very positive. Character is something that we have prided ourselves on in this team. We look at other teams that have had successful players, but those players have not had the character off the pitch. You know, we hear stories about Diego that he's an incredibly nice guy. I believe it was LAFC Vince who tweeted out about a story in which, you know, he randomly met a fan in an elevator and held the elevator door to finish talking to the fan and hear his story and then sign autographs and take pictures with him you know, while he was heading off to bed. And yet, you know, I mean, he waited up so that he could speak to that one fan that wanted to talk to him. Stories like that go a long way. And when you hear other people that have played with him or fans that have been around him, they have all spoken highly of his character. And that seems to fit that LAFC mold as well, too, that we're looking for, you know, gentlemen. But on the pitch, he's described as incredibly aggressive, a person who's not afraid to go in for a challenge. And so it's good to see that you know, he has that balanced mentality where on the pitch he can go out there and get stuck in. But when it comes to his performance off the pitch, he's considered a gentleman. And I'm excited about that as well, too. No, same. I, I think that one of the common themes with our scouting thus far has been, especially when it's a foreign player, they really try to make sure that they have um, a good character. You know, between between the ears, they they understand how to conduct themselves um, and then the other obligations in terms of interaction with the fans and the 3252. So that's important. And I, I don't know what they expect of LAFC, what they've seen on video on, uh, from a fan perspective, but I think it's hard for them to really understand or describe the 3252. So I'm interested to have their reactions in the next couple of weeks um, when they're actually shown the stadium, when they're introduced to the fans, because I, I think they're going to feel like they made a good choice in uh, having this club be part of the next career move well hopefully in the next week or so we get to see how they interact with the fans i'm excited hopefully for you know a meet and greet or at least you know maybe uncle rich will bring him over to the north end to uh, introduce him to the 3252 we'll see how that works out but more importantly you know the rest of the league did not rest on their laurels the rest of the league has gotten better you know they are trying to close the gap with us and despite the fact that we are on record setting pace We've gone out and made two big moves with the future in mind that also look like they can impact the present. Thorrington, hats off to him and and ownership for being able to step up and provide the resources for this to happen. Uh, We are really blessed with the intelligence and execution that we've seen from our club so far. Now, 
here's what I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, Amigo, is how is this going to affect the tactics and formation? So obviously we know these players' natural positions and where they're going to fit into the team. So we can assume that uh, Bryrod, B-Rod, uh, whatever we're going to call him, Brian. Uh, Rodriguez call him is, Brian. Brian. <laughs> uh, he's going to uh, step into that front left role. Um, and Diego Palacios, obviously, um, you know, going to play the same outside that Harvey's playing. So how does that affect the tactics of us going forward? What do you see? Any changes or how are they going to fit into Bob's free-flowing style? I think to, to start to integrate him, I guess that's what I should say, is he'll, he'll come off the bench, obviously. Um, we'll probably start with 15, 20, half hour, depending on his fitness um, and his exhaustion levels since arriving. But um, I think we, we're going to play as is for now, barring injuries or suspensions. I think Dio is going to be the starter, but over time he's either going to integrate himself to be that center striker as a false nine and kind of have that rotating situation we kind of talked about we've seen Vela play that false nine too and they can all trade off in terms of playing in the left or right flank from a winger perspective so I think it's going to be dynamic um, I also saw that he can also play as a central striker himself I think he has a good back to the goal a good um, a way of seeing the runs being made in between the lines, uh, good layoff. He can head the ball. He was the free kick and penalty taker. So um, for a 19-year-old, he had assumed a lot of responsibilities, I think, already. Um, and he's also good at defending his own position wherever he is, if he's on the left or right flank or even centrally, he's going to do some of the pressing that Bob asks of him. Well, so. in the interview released, or at least the presser that came out today from LAFC, Bob did mention, you know, the fact that he took all of their free kicks. Um, do you think that's a role he's going to usurp from the team? And how does that change how we would go about a free kick? So let's say, you know, we have the ball spotted outside the box mm -hmm. and, you know, it's going to be on that left side. So it's not naturally a Carlos Vela curler with the left foot of God. How do we see... What role is Van Vela going to play in that, and, and how do you see that playing out? If it's on the left side and he's in, depending on what Bob sees in training, he'll probably take it. Because I know now, like right now, the right-footed free-kick taker is either a Twesta or win if he's in. Um, that's who I've seen take him. There's been that one occasion when Christian Ramirez took that free-kick under the under the, the wall um, that was slightly to the right, to the excuse me, to the left side of the pitch. But other than that, um, I it's been either a win or a twista. Or if it's going to be a cross, then it'll be an outswinger from Vela, right? Which we don't do that much anyway. Yeah, I mean, outside from the donut hole goal, we haven't seen a whole lot from that side, um, you know, from from win since that moment. Um, you know, Christian Ramirez certainly had his scouting right in, in taking that shot under the wall, but I don't think we've seen much in the way of impressive kicks from that side no, from anyone. we haven't. But I, I'd say... One thing of note, at least in my memory, is that we don't get that many free kicks from that side anyway. Because I think the fouls really mostly happen on the right side because they're fouling Vela. Or it's either a twist or a blessing kind of sneaking in through that side because a lot of the build-up play comes from that side. The left side is a little bit more dynamic, in my opinion, in which 
um, it's less methodical. It's like you find Rossi and Rossi's attacking at full speed. It is he isn't necessarily as intricate in the way he attacks necessarily unless he comes into the central position or has uh, switched sides with Vela. So um, long-winded way of saying that if he's playing on that side, I can see him creating more free kicks and maybe taking more of them um, if he's on the pitch. And it's also if if he's going to be taking free free kicks or corners, he'll probably kick the ones from the, the left side of the pitch too so he can get those in-swingers. All right, so let's fast forward a month or so and let's say, you know, it's 60, 70th minute, Harvey gets subbed out, Diego Palacios comes in. How do you see the tactics changing upon him subbing in? I, I think you said Rossi subbing out? No, no, I'm sorry. If Harvey were to come out oh. and Palacios were to come in, how would you see? Let's just say, you know, Harvey's having one of those games where he's just getting winded mm-hmm. um, and we want some fresh legs. And so Palacios comes in. How do you see his f- entry into the formation changing our attack? I think he's going to do his best in imitating um, the way Harvey plays, but I th- it seems to me like he's more tenacious and I don't know how offensively minded he is and how good his um, passing is in comparison to to Harvey because Harvey has the luxury of being here for two years, right? So he understands the system um, and uh, the intricate passing style. I don't know much of how uh, Willem in the Dutch league plays, so I couldn't tell you if it's a more direct style of play, more counterattacking type of play, a more um, kind of possession-based, intricate passing style of play. I think in a month he'll get an idea. I think his speed is gonna be probably better than 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 Harvey's at this point. Obviously, you know he's 14 years younger, 15 years younger. So I can see him making those runs and overlapping the midfield and creating those options and putting in some some good you know cutback crosses or maybe even taking shots himself. I can see him being ambitious and kind of putting some offers on his shoulders. Well, if you buy into the FIFA ratings of a player. Uh, he is rated uh, at an 80 for pace and a 72 in his passing. Um, so, um, you know, that's that's interesting to see. Um, he, you know, he's been pretty highly rated other places as well, too, uh, in his ability to dribble. Um, and, and, you know, defense, uh, it, those numbers seem to be up there as well, too. So, I mean, as much as we buy into video game stats, I, I, you know, it's so quick i don't have a ton of stats to, to rely on coming out of south yeah. america um you know from ecuadorian league but um you know certainly what we've seen from his work with la tri and what we've seen with his work um you know over in in the dutch leagues as well too it does seem like he's getting forward and trying to get involved in the attack you know he was described as aggressive and getting yeah. forward so that's going to be exciting to see yeah i know the only lack of me seeing videos, but I did see on social media a lot of Barcelona fans not being happy that Barcelona let him go because they believe that he could be the replacement for Jordi Alba, who is obviously a great offensive defender, a good you know uh, left back that um, has performed well, obviously, in La Liga and Champions League. So these they saw him as a 20-year-old that's going to push him in the future years. The fact that he's not being signed by Barcelona B and doesn't even get a chance to be looked at by Barcelona within their system for the next couple of years to potentially push Jordi Alba, to me, speaks volumes. Then, yes, he, he can be developed offensively within uh, that style of system, which I know Bob likes to kind of uh, emulate. So um, I, does this... 
I mean, for the Barca fan out there, does him going to LAFC, or is this a statement reading between the lines from Barcelona that perhaps our system is similar enough to theirs that they view him coming to us for a few years as still being trained within a similar system that they could potentially be the ones to buy him from us. And he's essentially, you know, gathering those few years of development with LAFC as, as opposed to Barca B uh, and that he could still eventually make his way over there and play for them. But instead of them gambling on him and putting him in their system, he comes to our system. And if he pays off, then they just buy him. Is that is that a hat tip, you know, to, to Bradley and his system? perhaps i think in part yeah i think it's two things it's that the system is one of it one of them two he's gonna break into the first team he does well the headlines here lafc headliner versus barcelona b i I don't know how many people are reading barcelona b headlines apart from a barcelona fan right so him getting those kind of headlines if it works out internationally is better for him and plus we were the ones that paid the most so there, there's, I think, a kind of like a three-pronged situation that all worked out in his favor. You know, bigger headlines, uh, better first-team type of development, uh, one of the marquee or newer marquee teams in the MLS that's getting headlines around the world that's competing for being one of the new big teams and uh, forces in the near future. And then he's getting paid more than he would have been at the Dutch League or what Barcelona offered. So... Yeah, and you're in Los Angeles. It's not like that's uh, a downgrade from Barcelona. No disrespect to Barcelona. It's a beautiful city, but so is Los Angeles. I mean, I think those are up there in some of the greatest cities in the world. So he's not taking a step back in his surroundings or culture as well, too. So I think it's a good fit for the player and might even be a good fit for both teams in the long run. So do you still see us playing a 4-3-3? You don't see any changes to that system with these additions, maybe even into the beginning of next season? Um, not, Not unless... We have to like unless Brian isn't necessarily fitting or the interchange is what I foresee amongst the three isn't necessarily working. If that happens, I see them playing maybe a four four two kind of diamond mm-hmm. with Vela at the top of that diamond as a creative player and kind of playing a split forward situation. Um, we could also play a double pivot or a false double pivot with a Twesta and K and then like a four-two-three-one kind exactly. of exactly, yeah. Um, so I can see that, but who's the main striker at that point? You know, it's it's still gonna have to be an exchange amongst I think Brian and uh, Vela switching up on who's up the top. So it's kind of like a four-two-three-one with a false nine, which is would be interesting. So well, maybe if we're chasing a game late and we sub out a midfielder and bring in an extra attacker, I could see that. Right. And obviously the four-two-three-one uh, won Germany a World Cup, so I'm particularly sure. fond of that formation. No, as it's well. a good system. It's just I think. Um, it depends on the skill set and the system that uh, that the, the the manager wants to implement. So as of right now, it almost you know all of last season and this season, four three three. It seems like he'll live or die by it. I was screaming at um, our manager, our manager at the RSL match last year when we couldn't break him down playing four three three. I'm like, you know, I'm a United guy, and we had Fellaini for all these years to break through some of those situations when we couldn't, you know get in there, just lob the ball up to a tall dude. We don't have that kind of plan B right now. So if he if he is working towards maybe implementing that kind of four two three one type of system when we can break a team down or playing a more direct, you know, four four two, I welcome that. But I don't want him to break away from this beautiful 
style of play that we've developed over the last season and a half. I want to disagree with you slightly on that with NYCFC. First, I mean, if Dio doesn't miss that sitter, we've won that game, and we're not remembering it so negatively. And I think with a really skinny pitch like that, there's an argument to be made for a back three. Um, you know, but but that's and, and I New York City. Yeah, I agree. No, I'm talking about RSL's like, oh, playoffs. Yeah. The playoffs last year. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Well, that ball deflects off, uh, you know, Zim's face and goes in. And you know, no, it was it was an odd game. Yeah. I agree. We dominated the game, but you know, dire situation towards the end of the game. I think you you kind of try to do something different when they're bunkered down like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that has been uh, an Achilles heel for us when when teams double bus and park. How do we deal with that? Um, I'm hoping you know this kind of attacking prowess uh, that a Brian Rodriguez brings allows us you know an extra offensive threat there to help break that down. I hope that that was something that they had in mind when they went about these acquisitions. But obviously, anytime you're going after highly rated uh, young players that are sought heavily throughout the world by the biggest teams out there, no complaints about that. So I, I'm really excited how this transfer window closed. I'm pretty happy with with what the front office has done. Um, any final thoughts on our transfer window? I, I'm I'm happy. I think two of the things that I thought would make the team better were addressed. Um, Cherry on top would have been another you know creative midfielder, but we still have a dynamic trio, starting trio, and when we we have Win as uh, a backup mid- midfielder. That's his new role, is the way I see it, to come in and kind of change the game um, with a more offensive-minded midfielder who could also play top of the diamond if they ever do 4-4-2. So um, I think he is going to have a very important end-of-game role, um, especially in this playoff run, now that I think teams are getting more accustomed to uh, finding a way to disrupt the way we want to play. Well, speaking of offensive-minded midfielders, lost in in all the glory of incoming transfers might be the fact that we locked up Latif and Latif you know might be as we continue to see his development go he might become that offensive midfielder as he continues to progress so maybe there's there's uh that player with us this whole time and he continues to blossom into that role Uh, maybe that's what they see in him going forward and, and potentially that could be it but I could not be happier to see him sign an extension. Hopefully he get a nice fat pay raise because we know he's going to be sending a lot of that back to Africa to people who desperately need it and could not happen to a nicer guy, could not happen to a harder working guy. Uh, And I cannot say enough nice things about Latif Blessing. Uh, But if you come on the show, Latif, I promise I will find some new nice things to say about you. It's the people's champion there. Um, He's relentless, he's tenacious, and not only on and off the field, but I think he brings so much joy to anyone that goes to the stadium. Uh, I feel like you leave trying to know who that is if you're not a fan. Amen. Speaking of things on and off the field, we have a match coming up this Sunday versus, uh, as our friends at Defenders of the Bank like to refer to them, the New Jersey Energy Drinks. So the New York Red Bulls will be in town despite the fact that they don't play in New York. But they will be here in town. Um, So Shoulder to Shoulder will be back on Christmas Tree Lane. Uh, We're happy to say that Christian and I, uh, along with Mandy, uh, will be out there on Christmas Tree Lane with our pop-up again. We will have pins with us. We will have stickers with us. We will most likely have the recording device with us as well, too. So if you want to come tell us what Shoulder to Shoulder means to you, pick up a hat or a sticker or 
just come crack a beer with us and say hello. We'd love to see all of you out there um, on Christmas Tree Lane for a little pre-party before we go in and hopefully spank the energy drinks. Um, but I'm curious to see how you think this game is going to play out tactically, my friend, with uh, you know a Red Bull team that plays a, a very unique system and style of play. So how do you see this going down? Uh, I think the funny thing is that Red Bull is not going to change how they play most teams. Uh, most teams change how they play against us because they kind of give up the ball, park the bus, as you said, and then uh, try to catch us on the counter because our uh, outside defenders you know, integrate themselves into the offense, which means that it kind of leaves our back line exposed. So knowing that they'll sit back, kind of pop a ball out, and try to have their playmakers get on the end of it and create something. Um, and that's what Red Bull does. Um, they do a lot of counter-pressing or pressing to create a counter-attack. Um, so I, I feel like we're going to have a lion's share of the ball. Um, what I saw from our previous match is that the team is starting to become patient yet effective um, when they have the ball. They're purposeful, even though they're not necessarily um, getting in between the lines. They're you know seeing that that, that avenue is blocked, get on to the next pass and find the next gap. Um, I, re I don't remember exactly how many passes before that goal from Latif, but it was a very Man City, Barcelona-esque uh, integrate uh, one-two passes in between the lines at the 18-yard box, first-time ball from Harvey, and then Blessing still has a presence of mind to take the ball, fake the shot, put it on his opposite foot, and make, make the goalie go the wrong way, which to me speaks volumes of his progression too because in the past – he would always rush a shot or get to the goal exhausted because of his work rate and didn't have the presence of mind to finish the playoff. So that, to me, made me really happy. Um, and maybe it's because he was riding a high from signing that contract. But in the end, um, that goal made me super happy because I don't see that kind of goal last year. It was more dynamic, counter-pressing, and then direct, kind of Liverpool-esque um, type of finishing more like counter punching versus now i see it front foot probing dissecting and then finishing beautiful well i'm excited to see how this game plays out uh, we do have a little bit of a roster shakeup that's going to happen for this match uh, zim's going to be out on yellow card accumulation so who do you see coming in silver or blackman i want blackman yeah i would have to agree with you there yeah, yeah. blackman to fill in that role for sure other than that i think we're probably going to say the same 4-3-3 lineup we're going to have um you know our same three up top in vela rossi dio we're probably going to see the same blessing atuesta k down through the middle uh harvey betasher out wide um you know and then and then obviously with blackman coming in being the only change there alongside eddie segura so i mean i think that's what we're lining up to see um, so it's going to be interesting to play out. Obviously, Ramirez is not going to be our striker off the bench for this match. One could assume at that point that Fito Celaya? Yeah, uh, I think he'll have his chances, the Perez's, and yeah. probably get some minutes into if we're, we're ahead. Um, what, what is the plural of Perez? Perez's, Perez-i, Perez's? I, I, I'm I fuzzy on Perez's. how that works out. It's Perez's. Uh, we need we need to consult a linguist here. I'm I'm, I'm curious before the Perez I show up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, as far as I think we've all sort of decided what the eleven is going to be, or it seems obvious what yeah. it's going to be. How the rest of the eighteen shakes out, I think might you know kind of tell us at least how the next few weeks are going to play out, and then hopefully, obviously, Rodriguez and Palacios can integrate themselves within the system quickly. But 
that's not really what we've seen from Bob in the past. You know, he's usually a guy to make players take a while to get his system. How long do you think it's going to be before we see some of these acquisitions playing? Playing? I'd say as soon as their visa clears and he sees that the other team is either tired and he thinks that player will bring an attribute to the game or um, if he if he sees that we're winning by a few goals. So, so outside of garbage time, a game that's already out of hand, um, you know, whether it's winning or losing and they come in in that regard, when do you see them starting? I see uh, <laughs> Brian Rodriguez starting, um, I'd say in three or so weeks. I, I'd say in September, my expectation because of the fee and his his energy um, should be starting at that point. Obviously, I don't think anyone's coming in before Carson or even during the Carson game. I see him I, coming in. I, I see him with Shades of Porta last year. You I don't, see him and Pavon playing those games. Oh, that I mean, I would love to think that they're going to be, well, at least, uh, you know, Palacio and Rodriguez. Pavon, oh, man. Interesting how that deal went down. Do you yeah, have man. any questions about his, his, you know, sort of TAM experimental, potentially free loan coming in, how that worked out? I want the dust to settle to kind of analyze. I suspect and I'm sure that their front office did a, their best job to make sure everything was dotted and crossed. Oh, I'm not bitter, and I don't think they did anything no, shady in this exactly, case. I think no. they did something creative. Yeah. Um, you know, look, they've always found a way to stretch the rules to their benefit. I think that's something that we should learn from, if anything. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't harbor any ill will for their creativity in this regard, but I do think it's a bit odd. It's an additional storyline also, is the way I see it. Now it's an Uruguayan and an Argentinian joining two L.A. teams where there's a, a brewing fierce rivalry within the city. Um both both stadiums have now uh, showed the rest of the league that there is an atmosphere there um, that is is mirroring or countering some of the other uh, big rivalry, rivalries in the league. And adding this, you know, South American dynamic um, is good because now Uruguay and Argentina are going to be watching because one played for Peñarol, which is one of the bigger teams in Uruguay. One played for Boca, so you know both of those. Um, countries are going to have both of these players in their headlines. So it only brings additional notoriety for the LAFC um, club and, you know, complimentary to, to them for doing that so that they don't get all their headlines stolen by some of the things that we're doing. Well, I kind of think we're going to need some squad rotation here coming up because obviously we have the game this weekend on the 11th. We have a little bit of a stretch there um, before Salty Lake, uh, which is going to be on the 17th. But then we go 17th, you know, is, is the game against RSL. And then quickly, 21st Quakes, 25th Carson. So that's, I mean, you know, that's a, a four-day stretch between both matches in quick succession like that. There's going to have to be some squad rotation there, um, especially since, you know, it's away home home. Um, there's some travel involved in that as well, too. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's only to Real Salt Lake, but... Um, there's still going to be some travel in there. Sure. I feel like there has to be some squad rotation going at that point in time anyway. So it's going to be really fun to see how this all plays out. I'm excited to see. Um, I think obviously, I mean, I think the 9-1 match, the September 1st match, uh, is probably where I would expect to see some of these transfers ready to go at that point yeah. and potentially in a starting 11. Um, but I'm curious to see how they come in and how this plays out. And uh, it's a squad rotation, that means they'll play sooner. 
I could see him playing at RSL. It's possible. I definitely think that's a game in which Bob is going to do one of his heavy rotations again. I think the games against San Jose and Carson mean more, uh, both from a a table standpoint and in, you know, just the scope of the season and with the fans and all that. Um, And I think they're going to be harder matches on the pitch as well, too. So I think those are going to be obviously the game against Carson. We have to beat them so that we have to throw everything at them this time. Sure. Um, uh, it, it's our it's our time in that regard um, you know in San Jose um, I think you know it's kind of time to to put them back down a peg as well too as they've been stretching so you know those are important games I'm, I'm not as you know hung on the game against RSL as being a must-win game uh, at this point in the season no I totally agree I totally agree it's 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 going to be a tough smaller stretch in comparison to some of the things we've seen schedule wise earlier in the season but still important to have our first team fresh for those two um, California teams. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up our first take at a quick episode here? We appreciate everyone uh, bearing with us as we do a little change in format for today's show. Um, We uh, are going to go back to our traditional interview style show again next week. We'll have Chris back with us next week as well, too. So we're excited to welcome him back into Shoulder to Shoulder Studios. And we're going to go back to our normal format. But occasionally we'd like to, you know, pop in and give you our thoughts and, you know, reach out to us at LAFC S2S and let us know what you think of our quick on the counter format shows. Maybe this is something you guys would like to see more of, or maybe you hate us and want to scrap it completely. But either way, reach out, let us know. You can always get a hold of me, Jonathan, at LAFCS2S. If you want to fire off an email to me or my co-host Christian, Christian at LAFCS2S, or you can reach us on all the platforms at at LAFCS2S. So unless you got anything else, my friend? No, signing off. Uh, interested to see how the players integrate themselves. Uh, but thank you all for listening, and see you on the next one. With that, take us home, Sticks. Shoulder to shoulder, together this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay fly in that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.